Thanks for joining us. The following is a presentation of Ignite Global Ministries and features the teaching of Pastor Ben Dixon. Pastor Ben has a vision of strengthening the church to impact the world. He serves as lead pastor at Northwest Foursquare Church in Federal Way, Washington. Father, we thank you for your word, and we do pray today that you would speak to our hearts, give us the grace to obey you. We desire to know your word. We desire to follow your word. I thank you for everybody that's tuning in. Lord, I pray that you would, as we're gathered together around Scripture, I, I pray for encouragement and conviction. I pray that you would breathe life upon us today, and we thank you. You're the Lord of our life, and we look forward to what you're going to do in Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Well, I hope that you're having a blessed day so far, 8 o'clock in the morning. We are here every Wednesday through Friday at 8 a.m., and I'm going to talk to you a little bit about where we're going in the future since we have only two chapters left, but let's just go ahead and dive into Acts chapter 27. It's a really long chapter. Um, we have probably, we have 44 verses, so let's just go ahead and read through it. Here's what it says in verse 1. When it was decided that we would sail for Italy, they proceeded to deliver Paul and some other prisoners to a centurion of the Augustan cohort named Julius. And embarking in the Adramatean, I don't know how to say that, anyways, ship, which was about to sail the regions along the coast of Asia, we put out to the sea accompanied by Aristarchus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica, I uh, love these names. Sometimes you just don't have time to figure out how to pronounce them. But I want to, you know, but didn't have the time to, to get the pronunciation right. Anyways, which was about to sail to the regions along the coast of Asia, we put out to the sea accompanied by the same person. The next day we put in, uh, we put in at uh, Sidon and Julius treated Paul with consideration and allowed him to go with to his friends and receive care. From there we were put out to sea and sailed under shelter of Cyprus because the winds were contrary. When we had sailed through the sea along the coast of Cilicia and Pamphylia, and we landed in, in Myra and Lycia, there the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing for Italy, and he put us aboard it. When we had sailed slowly for a good many days and with difficulty had arrived off uh, Nidus, since the wind did not permit us to go farther, we sailed under the shelter of Crete off Salmon. And with difficulty sailing past it, we came to a place called Fair Havens, near which the, uh, the Sea of Lassia. And so I'm just going to stop right here. Here's what's happened. Paul, as we know from previous chapters, Paul has stood in front of many governors at this point and the Jerusalem council. Paul, because of preaching the gospel and the Jews indicted him for blasphemy and because they knew that probably wouldn't be enough to um, execute him or imprison him for life, which is what they wanted to do. They wanted to silence him and stop him. Uh, he was taken by a Roman guard and he was taken into Roman captivity. As a result of that, he stood in front of the governor, which was Festus and Felix, and then he stood in front of King Agrippa. During that time, Paul appealed to Caesar. And because he appealed to Caesar, even though they couldn't find anything wrong with them, to Caesar he must go. He's a Roman citizen. They had to send him. So he had preached the gospel before all of these, Felix, Festus, and King Agrippa. 
And I think that they sent him quickly because they just wanted to get rid of him. So that's why he's sailing in these dangerous waters. And we're talking about going from one place to another. I could break several of these things down, but essentially he has a centurion that has some soldiers that's watching over him. And so they're going from one ship to another and they're on their way to Rome. This is his sailing to Rome where he's going to stand before Caesar. This is the end of his life. He's, he doesn't have a lot of years left. He's going to give his life eventually. His life is going to be taken, uh, but he needs to stand trial before Caesar to preach the gospel. That's what Jesus wants him to do. That's what Paul is submitted to do. And so here we have him going from one place to another, dangerous waters. And what that means is they're sailing during times where typically you don't sail. So there's this rush to get him to Rome. And you don't really know why. I mean, it just sort of feels like, why wouldn't they take the proper time to not sail in dangerous waters? We can't answer that question other than to say they wanted to get rid of him. And so we read about him going from one place to another, and then we read in verse 9, which we'll probably spend the bulk of our time in this next section. It says, When considerable time had passed and the voyage was now dangerous, since even the fast was already over, Paul began to admonish them. The fast being over means that the Day of Atonement had passed. In the Day of Atonement, all Jews fasted. It was commanded by God. So this is the fast that we believe that it was. Paul began to warn them. That's what admonish in this particular passage means. Paul starts to warn the crew. He's warning the captain, the helmsman, and of course, he's warning the centurion. And it says this about what he was warning them. Verse 10, I perceive or I behold that the voyage will certainly be with damage and great loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of our own lives. That's really serious. Paul's saying, we're probably going to die if we keep going. But the centurion was more persuaded by the pilot and the captain of the ship than by what was being said by Paul. What does this mean? The captain of the ship and the helmsman, what they're saying is, we think we're going to be fine. We, can, we got this we're experienced in sailing. We're experienced with our ship. We know what we can do. We've done this before. They tell the centurion, no problem. Paul says, I perceive. The word perceive means to behold. It's not the word for discernment. It's like behold. I behold a vision. So I usually teach that Paul had a vision or an impression. He heard from the Lord. He received some form of communication from the Holy Spirit. And he basically says, as an unexperienced or inexperienced person as it pertains to the sea. It doesn't mean he didn't know anything about the sea or ships, but he certainly wasn't at the level that the captain or the helmsman would be. And so he says one thing, he warns them, I perceive that we are going to lose the cargo and probably our own lives if we do not stop from this voyage. But the others have a different, they have a different perspective and the centurion is persuaded by the captain of the ship. And so they continue. I want to just briefly mention God speaks to us God will communicate through impressions and visions, and he wants to do that for a reason, not, not just for our journaling, not just for us to feel encouraged, but God directionally wants to help us understand what our next step is. And so sometimes he'll communicate to us in a vision. He wants us to see. He wants us to hear. As we are ministering in the gospel, as we're making disciples, as we are serving either the body of Christ or people in the world, as we are seeking to honor and serve the Lord Jesus, he will speak to us and he wants to give us next steps. So if you're waiting on the Lord to give you the next step, be sure the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you more than you want to hear his voice. He does communicate 
with us. And sometimes God will tell us something that is contrary to conventional wisdom. It's contrary to what other people say is going to happen. Now, we know that we're living in a time where there's a lot of natural thoughts. There's a lot of conventional wisdom, but God will give us a different view and a different version of the outcome that is before us. He wants us to lay hold of what he's saying by faith, both in his word and through the Holy Spirit. So Paul here gets communication from the Holy Spirit, but they're saying this isn't going to happen. We'll be fine. But the centurion goes with natural and conventional wisdom from the captain. The centurion was more persuaded by the pilot and the captain of the ship than by what was being said by Paul. Because the harbor was not suitable for wintering, the majority reached the decision to put out to sea from there. If somehow they could reach Phoenix, a harbor at Crete. It's not normal to sail in the winter. You only did it under great uh, consideration. You just wouldn't do this. There were months that you would not sail. And so they all had to reach a decision. They had to be in unity about this, meaning that it was dangerous and they knew it, but they had this sense of confidence. We've done it before. We'll do it again. And so here they are facing Southwest, Northwest, spending the winter there. Um, They're trying to get to Crete so they can spend the winter there. When a moderate south wind came up, supposing that they had attained their purpose, they weighed anchor and began sailing along Crete close inshore. So they kept inshore. They sailed along the shore instead of sailing out into the sea. Verse 14, but before very long, they rushed down from the land and a violent wind came. And when the ship was caught in it and could not face the wind, we gave way to it and let ourselves be driven along. So now the, sh- the storm is pushing them wherever the storm goes. So they're no longer sailing just by a wind. They're sailing by the storm and, uh, and they're, ha- they're having to be vulnerable to it and follow it. Running under the shelter of a small island called Clada, where they, uh, we were scarcely able to get the ship's boat under control. After they had hoisted it up, they used supporting cables and undergirding the ship, and fearing that they might run aground on the shallows of Sirtis, they let down the sea anchor and in this way let themselves be driven along. The next day, as they were being violently storm-tossed, they began to jettison the cargo. And on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard. So now they're getting rid of all the weight on the ship. So clearly what Paul said was going to happen is starting to happen. The storm isn't letting up. The wind isn't letting up. The seas are beginning to toss them. They're tossing the cargo over over the ship. They're tossing the tackle over, uh, over the bow. And it says this, since neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and no small storm was assailing us, from then on, all hope of our being saved was gradually abandoned. When they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up in their midst and said, Men, you ought to have followed my advice and not to have set sail from Crete and incurred this damage and loss. Yet now I urge you to keep up your courage, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only the ship. He is prophesying to them. Praise God. We need a prophetic word in the midst of the storm. Amen. We need a word from the Lord in the storm. God knows what is going to happen. God knows what we need to do. And God has a word for us in the midst of the storm that we're in. No matter what we're facing, physically, spiritually, emotionally, listen, our anchor is not that which is connected to our boat. It's not connected merely to our past and past successes. Our anchor is connected to the word of the Lord. We can anchor in what he says. Uh, Jesus would say this in, in Matthew chapter 4. He would say, it's not about bread, but man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We can anchor in that which proceeds from the mouth of God. So he says this to them after prophesying, we will not die. 
Yet now I urge you to keep up your courage, for there will be no loss of life. For this very night an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood before me, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar, and behold, God has granted you and all those who are sailing with you. Therefore, keep up your courage, men, and I believe, God, uh, that it will turn out exactly as I have been told, but we must run aground on a certain island. In other words, God's going to make sure that our life is preserved, but we must run aground on this island. Are you willing to listen to me now? But when the 14th night came, as we were being driven about the Adriatic Sea, about midnight, the sailors began to surmise that they were approaching some land. They took soundings and found it to be 20 fathoms. And a little farther on, they took another sounding and found it to be 15 fathoms. Fearing that we might run aground somewhere on the rocks, they cast four anchors from the stern and wished for daybreak. But as the sailors were trying to escape from the ship and had let down the ship's boat into the sea on the pretense of intending to lay out anchors from the bow... Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, unless these men remain in the ship, you yourselves cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the ship's boat and let it fall away. So they're letting down one of those small boats so that they can go to shore. And Paul's saying, it's not the right time. If you do that, you're going to die. And so they believe him this time. Amen. You got a prophet in your boat. The prophet tells you what to do. You don't listen. You see that it's bringing damage to everything. He, he says, now the prophet, the Lord says, I got another word. You're not going to lose your life, but we got to run aground. So they try to figure out when to do that. He says, don't do it now. They're finally listening to the prophetic word. Praise God. We need prophetic words from the Lord. The soldiers cut away the ropes until the day was about to dawn. Paul was encouraging them to take some food saying, today is the 14th day and you have been constantly watching and going without eating, having taken nothing. Therefore, I encourage you to take some food for this is for your preservation, for not a hair from your head or, or any of you will perish. Having said this, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of all, and he broke it and began to eat. All of them were encouraged, and they themselves took food. All of us in the ship were 226 persons. Man, that is a packed boat. When they had eaten enough, they began to lighten the ship by throwing out the wheat into the sea. When day came, they could not recognize the land, but they did observe a bay with a beach and resolved to drive the ship onto it if they could. Casting off the anchors, they left them in the sea while at the same time they were loosening the ropes of the rudders and hoisting the foresail to the wind. They were heading for the beach. Striking a reef where two seas met, they ran the vessel aground and the prow stuck fast and remained immovable, but the stern began to break up by the force of the waves. Now listen, a soldier's plan was to kill the prisoners so that none of them would swim away and escape. My gosh. But the centurion, wanting to bring Paul safely through, kept them from their intention and commanded that those who could swim should jump overboard first and get to land, and the rest should follow some planks uh, on some planks and other various things from the ship. And so it happened that they were all brought safely to land. Now, just to kind of summarize what we read in this chapter, because uh, you don't really hear a lot of sermons on Acts chapter 27, but there are things that we can pull out of this. Um, number one, here's what we see. God has a plan for Paul. Okay. God has a plan for Paul, regardless of what others are deciding or doing. God wants Paul to stand before Caesar. This is what this whole thing is about. And so here's the deal. When you know that there's a call and a word on your life, you're going to go through all kinds of storms. They have this serious storm. And even though Paul warned them prophetically to not go now, they still did but because Paul had this prevailing word over his life, he could be sure that God was going to see him through. 
Now listen, the word was about Paul. So sometimes people in our boat, they're going to sail right through with us because that word on our life is going to keep them safe as well. Our, the word on our life is not about us. It's about the Lord. He's going to stand before Caesar and he's going to preach the gospel on the biggest stage and biggest platform that he'll ever get. I mean, this is the biggest Facebook live ever, right? He's going to stand in front of Caesar and give an account. And that account is going to be Jesus Christ has died for the forgiveness of sins, risen from the dead. He is the son of God. Give your life to him, Caesar, and everybody else around you. So this, this boat is the vessel to bring Paul to his place of calling. This is the vessel that's going to bring Paul to the place where God wants him to go. And so that is really important. God has a prophetic life, a prophetic word over his life. Storms come, and even though people around you don't make the right decisions, God's going to see you through. That's what we can learn from this today. What's the prophetic word over your life? What is God saying that he's called you to do for his glory? See, that's something we want to seek him for. We're in the last days of our fast right now. My question is, what is God saying to you? What is the word of the Lord to you for his glory, for his mission, for his purpose? God has a word for you. God, it may not be that we're going to stand before Caesar. It may not be that we're going to be the sole purpose or, so, or sole reason for the world changing around us entirely, but God wants to speak to our lives, and so we can be sure of that. The other thing is when you have a prophetic word, God himself is invested to get us to that place where that word can be fulfilled. God fulfills his word. He calls us to believe. He gives us a word. He calls us to believe. He fulfills that word. The other thing is storms come in our life, physical storms, emotional storms. I mean, come on, pandemic storms. Storms come in our lives not just against us, but also others in our boat, in our life, in our family, in our home, as well in our church, storms are going to happen. When they happen, they do a lot. They prove where our faith really is. They prove or they show the things that need to change, where there's fear and anxiety. And, I, and I'm, I'm telling you that God wants to, he wants to prune it, uh, things in our life during a storm. God wants to show us things that are in our heart during a storm. God wants us to anchor ourselves in Him through the storm. And as we begin to believe God, it will cause a strength inside of us through the Holy Spirit that will not only get us through this storm, but it will prepare us for the next. All of us face battles of many kinds, temptations, struggles, storms, um, storms being the difficulties of life, the unforeseeable events that come into our life and however they flow in, they do. But God's preparing our heart even now for the things that we're going to face tomorrow. And so we got to remember that the words that God is giving us, the prophetic words, sometimes God gives us a prophetic word because of what we're about to face. He's not giving us that prophetic word just to give us foreknowledge. He's not giving us that prophetic word just so that we would have information. A lot of times God is giving us a prophetic word so that we might be prepared and equipped to face the battle that would come against us so that we would that's trying to stop us from fulfilling that word. Now, Paul uh, said this to Timothy. He, he talked to him about, I think it's in 2 Timothy chapter 1. He talked to him about warring with the prophecies that are warring and the ammunition for him being able to war would be the prophecies. So war with the prophecies that have been spoken over your life. In other words, you have a calling. Timothy's the pastor in Ephesus. Paul's about to lose his life. 
Paul knows that Timothy had received prophecies. Paul knows that Timothy is facing difficulties. That's why he said, you've not received a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and sound mind. Why would he say that? Paul would say that to Timothy because Timothy's probably fearful. And he's saying, you don't have a spirit of fear. You have a spirit of power, love, and sound mind. Remember that. Stay true to that. Hold on to that. Be sure of that. So he's saying, you don't have a spirit of fear, but he's saying war with the prophecies that you have received. God gave you words so that in this season, you would make it through because he knew you would need this. This is what causes you to have great faith. This is what causes you to know you're going to get through this. God gave you a word for this season. It wasn't just for information. It wasn't just for goosebumps. It wasn't just to make you feel like you were special. The word was, was so that you would be able to war properly against the storm and make it all the way through. Now, here's the deal. Paul's gone through these storms. So when he's writing the letter to Timothy, he knows what this is like. He knows exactly what this is like. He's writing to Timothy based on his own experience. God would give him prophetic words. You're going to stand before Caesar. I'm going to give you a prophetic word so that when you face a physical storm, you know I'm going to get you through. So he said the same thing to Timothy. Timothy, God gave you prophecies so that you can war in whatever sphere that you need to, and you can war against those things that are coming against you emotionally, relationally, spiritually, physically, and God, you know God's going to get you through because he's appointed you, he's anointed you, and he's called you to preach the gospel. He's called you to pastor in Ephesus. He's called you to reach people in a difficult culture. Don't worry about this. You have a spirit of power, love, and sound mind, and that's why God gave you prophetic words. Now, I want to remind you, God's given you prophetic words probably in the past for such a season as this. So journal those prophetic words. Whenever God gives you a word, whether it be personally or through another person, take that seriously. Write that down. Put that in before the Lord in your prayer time in the secret place. Watch how God will bring that thing back up. I can't tell you how many times the Lord's given me a word and reminded me of that word. I had it written in a journal, whether it was for me, for my family, for the church. It's amazing. I was looking at a journal one time and the Lord gave me a word about one of my children, and this was for like a time way in the future, and it was like, when your son becomes 22, here's what you need to know. I wrote that when he was 18, and I remember like, I just happened to be looking through my journal, because I do this every year, I do it at least twice a year, and I was reading this reflection and this prophecy that I had written down, and my son had turned 22 at that time, and so I'm like, oh my gosh, like, but I needed that word to pray through those other years that were also difficult on his behalf. And so now I'm staring at this prophecy in my journal, and I had actually read it every year, and now I'm at year 22, and now I'm claiming that promise. You know what I'm saying? I realized that there were, that was a word that was given to me for those four years so that I could war according to the prophecy that God said something special is going to happen when he was 22, and it did. And that's what I want you to know is that the Lord's giving you words so that you could war against whatever storm you face. And here's what I want to do today. I just want to be simple about this. God wants to tell us that if we don't have a prophetic word in the season that we're in, he wants to speak to our hearts. He wants to give us words that will carry us through no matter what storm we face. And so we want to know that. We want to pray for that. If you don't have, if, if you don't have a word from the Lord for the season that you're in, let's ask the Lord for it. Let's ask God to prophesy over us, to give us a word from the Lord, whether that come from someone else or it comes straight from the Holy Spirit. We know that God wants to speak to our hearts. And listen, whatever you're facing right now, whatever you're about to face, because if you're not facing a battle today, you probably will at some point in the future. That's just the way that it works. 
And so how can we prepare our hearts and receive from the Lord now so that we can stand in that day and do it in a way that honors the Lord and stays true to what he's called us to? Well, we can, we can do that by praying now and asking for him to speak to us today. And so that's what we want to do today. I want to pray that God will speak to you and speak to me. And I believe the Holy Spirit will. So let's join, let's join together in prayer right here in this moment as we close our time together on the daily word. Father, we thank you today for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for the word that is a witness to who you are and to how you work. But Lord, now we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to our hearts. I pray for everybody that's watching, listening. I ask that you would speak to our hearts, God. Give us a prophetic word. That's the anchor that we need in a season like this and the seasons ahead. Because whether or not, uh, we don't know if this is the hardest season we're gonna face. Probably there are harder ones that we're gonna have to face in the future. And so I pray for all my friends and I pray for my own life and for my family. And I pray that you would speak to our hearts, Lord. Holy Spirit, fill us, baptize us with your presence and your power. Help us to know your voice. Help us to write down the prophecies that you give us no matter how they come. And I thank you, Lord, that we're a prophetic church and we're a prophetic people according to your word and that your Holy Spirit is not done speaking. And yes, it is in, in accordance of your word. It, it, it's in context of what you've already said. It never, it never breaks the, the truth of your word. It never contradicts. But Lord, we need to know as we're, as we're moving through these times and we're seeking to navigate well, I pray for the wisdom. I pray for the words of knowledge. I pray for words of wisdom and I pray for prophetic words for each person. So I ask for that to come, and I thank you for it today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about Ignite Global Ministries, please go to our website, igniteglobalministries.org. While there, check out our Immersion Discipleship School and the books Pastor Ben has written.